0: That this teenage girl would believe that God is able to give her a son while she is still a virgin. And you have to ask yourself, you know, why, why Mary? Why did Mary get this privilege of bringing the Messiah into the world? And the reason is very simple. It says in in 2 Chronicles 16 9 the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he might strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And the living God saw something in the heart of this teenage girl that would allow him to do the miraculous in her life.
1: How is your heart before the Lord today? Is it completely his, no matter what you may be going through? In this podcast, we look at the life of Mary, starting with the angel Gabriel's visit all the way to the day of Pentecost. We will see that this was to be the start of a difficult, painful journey for Mary that would take over 30 years of her life before she would come to realize the full benefit of a heart belonging completely to the Lord. Is this your assumption of what it looks like for your heart to be completely the Lord's? Or do you have other expectations? I think this is a great question to ask ourselves as we prepare to celebrate Christmas. So let's join Peter Reed, who is the general director of Torchbearers as he leads us in this study. Well, we're approaching
0: Christmas and one of the ways in which we will recognize that is people will at some time, begin to say Merry Christmas, and today I'd like to talk about Mary's Christmas, Mary the mother of Jesus. And if there's a person that uh, was more misunderstood in the scriptures, I think uh, Mary would certainly be one of them. I'd like to read a passage out of John chapter 2, which really records an event um later in the life of Mary, it could very well have been that she was uh, over 40 years old when this event takes place. Um, let me just read it, and then I'd like to consider with you uh, everything that preceded this event in the life of Mary. It says in John chapter 2 and verse 1, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with us? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Just on a side note about the person of Jesus, before we get to Mary, the thing that that impresses me about the life of Christ is that he, um, he didn't lead the life of a hermit. He, he, he involved himself in the daily cultural rhythms of life around him. And so he was invited to this wedding feast and he went. Uh, Jesus associated with some questionable people in his day, in fact, so much so that in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 19, he was known as a glutton and a drunk. And so he was terribly misunderstood. But here he was at this wedding uh, with these people in Canaan of Galilee. In my opinion, it's, it's more of a challenge to lead a godly life among those who don't know God than to separate yourself from the life of normal man. And in my opinion as well, Jesus didn't necessarily create a a Christian ghetto, if you will. He involved himself in the lives of people, uh, many of whom needed him. And I think that we will see today Jesus in some very unlikely places, because he said it is those who are sick who need a physician. So that shouldn't shouldn't, uh, necessarily surprise us. Another thing that is interesting here, it says Mary, the mother of Jesus, was invited, also his disciples, but there's no mention of Joseph. Uh, For those who know their Bibles also know that in John chapter 19, Jesus looked from the cross and uh, looked at his mother and said, Woman, behold your son. And then he said, Son, behold your mother. And he was speaking to John the Apostle. Uh, Jesus would not have needed to do that if his, in this case, stepfather Joseph would have been living. And some commentators believe, believe that Joseph was, uh, had passed away by the time we get to the public ministry of Jesus. I can't prove that, but if it was the case, it would have been a radical move for Jesus as the eldest son in the family to move out into his ministry and leave the family in that sense. And yet, here's Mary, invited to this wedding with him. When she brings this very legitimate request, they've run out of wine, uh, the reaction of Jesus is quite abrupt. Now, to run out of wine at a Jewish wedding would have been not just a social faux pas, but it would have been a shame on the family in that day. And so this was uh, a greater need probably than you and I would, would uh, be able to feel in our different cultures today. And when Jesus spoke to his mother, he didn't say mother, he said woman. Uh, and the, 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 the phrase that he uses is actually an idiom, which means, what does that have to do with you? Um, And so Jesus takes a step back from his mother and makes very clear that, you know, the thing that you want right now is not necessarily going to happen in the way or for the reason that you want it to. And so he says, woman, what does this have to do with you? And it seems like a very uh, odd response from Jesus to his own mother in light of a very uh, legitimate need. But again, if you think of the history of Mary up until this point, I believe that it begins to make sense. And so let me just run through her history with Jesus until we get to this point. Of course, in Luke chapter one, we will read this chapter uh, in the Christmas season coming up. Uh, Probably hear it very often. Um, Mary... Is visited uh, by the angel Gabriel. And he comes and visits this peasant girl who is most likely a teenager. Uh, She would have had not necessarily a, a high social standing of authority in the circles that she lived in, but the angel Gabriel comes. And tells her that she is going to have the privilege of doing what every Jewish mother wanted to do, and that was give birth to the Messiah. And yet, when he says, when he talks about this to her, uh, he says that you're going to have this child while still a virgin. And when you read her praise uh, of, of this you know, event which was going to come upon her, she actually quotes a significant amount of scripture in it. And from that, we gain the knowledge that she was well-versed in the things of God. But we also know from Luke 1 and verse 45 that she believed the word that the Lord spoke to her. And that actually is quite awesome, that this teenage girl would believe that God is able to give her a son while she is still a virgin. And you have to ask yourself, you know, why, why Mary? Why did Mary get this privilege of bringing the Messiah into the world? And the reason is very simple. It says in in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he might strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And the living God saw something in the heart of this teenage girl that would allow him to do the miraculous in her life. To the guests this week, I spoke about the fact that I've, I've run in two marathons. That doesn't make me a marathon runner. It just means I was stupid enough to try this second time. And the first time I ran a marathon, uh, I was lined up way at the back of the line. And there were about 25,000 people in front of me. And I didn't reach the starting line until about three minutes later. And um, I never saw the winner of the race uh, for obvious reasons. I was nowhere close to the pack that he was running with. And uh, I I think that I read his name in the newspaper the next day. But one thing I know for sure, and that is that that the guy who ran the winning time in that race and who won the race that day did not win by accident Uh, for months preceding that race, He had put mile after mile after mile in the bank and what had been happening privately for months beforehand became public during the race. In fact, I think that there could be an argument made that that the race was won uh, largely at the starting line, not just the finish line, because of the preparation that had gone into the race. Nobody else had seen that, but it became public during the race, And we just need to know that when God chooses to use a person, it's not just his random sovereign choice. He sees a a heart condition that will allow him to do the impossible. And when they allow them to do that, something which is unseen becomes seen. And the invisible God becomes visible. And that's what happened in the life of Mary. That's why I believe this woman was chosen to uh, bring the Messiah into the world as still a virgin because God knew that her heart would allow him to do that. That tells me that God uses us not just because of our ability, but because of our availability. And if there's one thing that we learn from Mary, we need to make ourselves Utterly available to the Lord for him to work in ways that would otherwise be impossible. It also makes me know that that we can't underestimate the value of our youth. And again, Mary was certainly uh, younger than 20 years old when this took place. And yet, there were things sown in her hearts, in her heart, uh, in in her family relationships of the Lord that stood her in good stead, as we're going to see in a minute. In adulthood, uh, my wife and I work with former alcoholics or recovering alcoholics, and some of them say to me, "You know, Peter, I was w- born in a Christian home, and I was brought up in the church." And then I turn my back on the Lord, and then with 50, 60, 70 years old, they're returning to the seeds that were sown in their youth. And I'm a strong advocate of children's ministry and youth ministry because of that. Well, Mary, after she has this private meeting with Gabriel, goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And um, when when she walks into the room, into her house, Elizabeth... uh, she just says who am i to see the mother of my lord and she makes the proclamation that she is standing in front of the mother of the messiah now what encourages me about that is that the the meeting between mary and gabriel that was a private meeting and what an encouragement it must have been to mary that somebody else recognized this and encouraged uh, her in it, and sometimes, uh, honestly, the voice of God into our lives needs to be clothed with a human voice, and and that's what um, that's what Elizabeth gave her at that time. Now she stays there for a certain number of months, and then goes back home as she enters into her uh, th- the the last part of her pregnancy, and this friends is when her problems began. How on earth was she supposed to explain to the family, to the relatives, to the close friends her pregnancy? Again, God had told Mary, but not necessarily the relatives or the neighbors. God protected Mary, and he told Joseph what was going on. And Joseph, uh, longing to do the right thing, did not touch her and and made sure that he didn't violate her in any way because of what God was doing in her life. So God will always protect what he's doing in our lives. But I have to believe that Mary lived with a certain amount of misunderstanding for the very thing that God had done in her life. I'll tell you what, if, if a female student went home from his hill uh, over Christmas break and then revealed to her parents that she was pregnant and then explain that it was a very spiritual experience that caused the pregnancy, uh, that would not bode well in the ears of the parents and the family. They would not have laughed her. They would, they would have scorned her. Friends, that's, that's the kind of predicament that Mary was in. It was not easy at all to, to uh, bring this child to term uh, in her home setting. Well... The story goes on, of course, in Luke chapter 2, and Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem because of a national uh, Mm -hmm. census that was taking place. And, you know, humanly speaking, people would have reason to say, well, isn't that convenient? Leave town uh, so that the unwed mother can have the child somewhere else. Uh, Again, friends, uh, this this poor woman did not have an easy go of it. And she goes to Bethlehem and uh, has Jesus there. I have read historical accounts that say that the death rate among infants in the day of Mary was upwards of 50%. And under the conditions that she had, uh, the birth would not necessarily have been the most favorable. Well, in Matthew chapter 2, we read that uh, God speaks to Joseph in a dream. And says, you need to leave town and uh, the the life of Jesus is in danger. And so they go to Egypt uh, for about three years. And God was still God on the throne in all of that turbulence. And friends, we need to know in the times that we live in, a lot of turbulence going on. Uh, Jesus is still on the throne. And although we might not recognize it at the time, when everything is going bad, trust God to be doing what's right. And he will protect what Jesus is doing in our lives. So he is our shield, as it says in Psalm 91, and he took them into his protection. And they stayed in, in Egypt until it was safe to go home. Then God says, yes, it's, uh, it's time to go home. Well, that whole event teaches me what the missionary David Livingston once said. He said, I am untouchable until the will of God is done in my life. And what his will in my life is, he's going to ensure that it takes place. And he protected them. Jesus goes home. He is then raised by his mother uh, and, and his stepfather, Joseph. And they go down to Jerusalem when uh, Jesus was a young boy. Many think that he was somewhere approaching 13 years of age. And they go to the temple, and lo and behold, Jesus gets into discussions with the theologians. And probably, I think, he was asking such profound questions that they were uh, fascinated by his interest in and in knowledge of the things of God. Well, the family, it was time to go home. We know that Jesus had at least six siblings. Uh, so the, the family loads up the minivan and is ready to go b- drive back home. And lo and behold, Jesus didn't get in the van. And at somewhere along the, lane, the way, uh, they recognized Jesus was missing. And then they go back down to uh, to Jerusalem, find Jesus in the temple with the theologians and the scholars of the day. And then it says in uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 48 this. It says, when Mary and uh, Mary and, and Joseph saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to him. And then we read this. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Twenty years passed. Jesus is about 30. Mary is maybe mid-40s, approaching 50. They're with friends and relatives at a wedding, and the wine runs out, and Mary comes to her son and says, the wine's run out. And there was more behind that question than just the wine. This woman had lived under a black cloud of mis- misunderstanding for 30 years. She knew full well who Jesus was. And for three decades, she had been treasuring these things in her heart. And that day, it's like she says, let the fireworks begin. <laughs> because Canaan of Galilee is not that far from Nazareth. And the people at the wedding would have known her. They would have known Jesus. They would have been on the, in on the story of what happened. And I'm sure that Mary would have loved Jesus to do something to take away that cloud. They've run out of wine. I know who you are. These people don't. That's been hard. And Jesus' answer is, woman. What does that have to do with you? You see, Jesus doesn't work according to my sympathy. He doesn't necessarily have a program that just involves my individual life. We belong to a much greater plan. And he did make water into wine, yes. And it says after he did, his disciples believed in him. But the vindication that Mary oh so longed for didn't yet take place. His hour had not yet come. And friends, I want to encourage you with something. If God doesn't answer our prayer right now, it very well could be that he's got something better in mind. And he's not going to bend his good and perfect and acceptable will to my small requests. And at this point in my life, with the Lord honestly looking over my shoulder, I praise God that he did not answer some of my prayers. It wasn't easy at the time, but he had something better in mind, and he had something better in mind for Mary. And the program of Jesus is much bigger than my individual life and my individual requests. And so Mary, interestingly enough, says "Whatever he says, do it." If you remember back in Genesis chapter three, Eve did the thing that God said she, she couldn't and shouldn't. Mary comes and reverses that and says, "Whatever he says, do it." And that made all the difference in their lives. And Mary learned that lesson back when she was a teenager and now she has to come back to it as an adult. Never, ever underestimate what God does in her life, in her youth. It might not seem so significant at that time, but we may just need it decades later. He makes the water into wine and we know that Mary traveled with a group of people and ministered to the needs of the disciples. She was there when she watched her beloved firstborn son die on a cross. And if you don't know this, the word Mary, the name Mary means bitter. And there was a certain amount of bitterness that she had to carry in her life for the very thing that God did. And sometimes God is going to call his people to carry that burden for a certain season. But rest assured, he'll have his day. And he will vindicate us for the very thing that he has done in our lives. So if you have family and friends who misunderstand you, there is a cloud of suspicion over your life for the very way that you're living in Christ and what he's doing. Just remember Mary this Christmas. Well, what happened to Mary? So glad that God hadn't written the last chapter in her life. And, you know, we read something very interesting in Acts chapter one in verses 13 and 14. Jesus had just ascended to his father, and he told the disciples, "Go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come." And it says in Acts one and verse thirteen. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and James, uh, Judas the son of James. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. You know what happened? Mary was there at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended upon those 120 people, let alone the 3,000 others that were born again that day. And it was a- happened at a national feast when all Jewish families were supposed to appear in Jerusalem. So it would have been a much bigger group than was gathered at the, f- the, the wedding feast in Cana. And the Holy Spirit came. And the one who gave birth to Jesus was born again. And the hour came for her vindication. And I don't know what happened. But it could very well have been that some who were there that day, who received Christ and experienced the, the events of Pentecost, may have come up to Mary and said, We're so sorry. We're so sorry. We didn't believe you. We didn't believe that, that you were the one who gave birth to the Messiah who we've now received. And so she had back her son eternally. And she was vindicated at that moment. Again, God has not written the last chapter yet. And Mary was a good disciple of Jesus. She chose to be rightly related to him no matter what happened, even if it called for a a season of bitterness. And let me leave us with one verse. And it's found in Psalm 145 and verse 19. The desire of the godly will be fulfilled. So have hope and Merry Christmas.
1: I want to thank Peter for taking the time to share this devotion. We recorded it on Thanksgiving day, which was the same day he sat down to talk with me about his walk with the Lord. And if you haven't listened to that interview yet, You can find it on episode 21. Now I wanna thank you for the words of encouragement that I personally have received regarding this new ministry at His Hill. And I ask that you be praying for us as we look to Jesus in moving forward with the ministry. While I'm thinking of the correspondence that I get to have with you, I need to point out that if you're trying to DM me through the His Hill Instagram account, I may or may not get the message. It all depends on whether or not the person managing that account remembers to get it to me. So with that in mind, I want to encourage you that if you're not already doing so to please follow us on The His Hill Podcast Instagram. And you have to look it up that way with the in there or you won't find it. The His Hill Podcast. And you can DM me there where I'm sure to see it. And another benefit of following us on the His Hill podcast account is that you will be kept up to date on the specific ministry of the podcast. Please keep praying for our students while they're on the Christmas break and for their safe arrival when they come back in January. Remember to pray for the new students as well, that they would be able to fit in and, and benefit from the time here. If you're interested in volunteering for a staff position uh, with our summer camp, you can apply by going to our website and filling out the form there. It's hard to believe, but we have to start planning this far in advance for that and ask that you would be praying for us as we do so. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host, reminding you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Merry Christmas, and thanks for listening.